This is Golf Talk Canada, Canada's only national golf talk radio and TV program. Presented by TaylorMade and the TP5 and TP5X Golf Ball. Love every shot with the most complete ball in golf. Now, here are your hosts, Mark Zacchino, Bob Weeks, and Adam Scully. Good morning, golf fans, and happy Thanksgiving. Welcome inside Golf Talk Canada. I'm Adam Scully. Since it is Thanksgiving today, we thought we'd do a best of taking a look back at some of our recent interviews. And a lot has gone on in the world of golf throughout the last month, really. It's been a very busy time from the President's Cup, which was a great event to be at. Bob really enjoyed his time in Charlotte. And of course, last week, Mackenzie Hughes goes on to win the Sanderson Farms, his second career PGA Tour victory, which was awesome to see. And and Mackenzie Hughes definitely with a chip on his shoulder after not being named to the President's Cup team, after many of the, the players who went to live, Cameron Smith, Joaquin Neiman, Mark Leishman, et cetera, et cetera, went over to live. We speculated on the show whether Mackenzie Hughes would be named a captain selection for the International President's Cup team. He wasn't selected, but he goes on to win the Sanderson Farms, his second career PGA Tour victory. And last week on GTC, Mark and I had a full breakdown of Max Wynn. Mackenzie Hughes, now a two-time winner on the PGA Tour. He gets it done at the Sanderson Farms Championship, you know, an event that has been kind to Canadians in history. Now the fourth Canadian, actually, to ever win this event, the most recent previous to Mackenzie Hughes, of course, was Nick Taylor back in 2014. Um, well done. Did not hit it great on Sunday. Really did not have his A game. Uh, but he certainly had the A game with the putter. We're going to take a deep dive into this. But before we do, let's hear from Mackenzie Hughes, the most recent Canadian winner on the PGA Tour. I felt pretty good coming into this week. I had a, um, a solid week in Napa. I uh, was close to kind of finishing that one off and having a, a high finish, but felt good coming in here uh, when putting in some good work and then kind of got off to a so-so start on Thursday and, yeah, I didn't shoot myself out of it, but, um, you know, one under par and had some work to do. And then Friday, I really found some nice nice rhythm and uh, started making some nice putts. And I felt like at that point I had put myself in the mix and I felt like I was going to stay there. Uh, I just had a had a belief after that round that uh, my game was at a, at a great spot and been working really hard on the mental side of things too to instill that belief in myself. I, I tell myself, um, you know, a lot of things throughout the day and, and try to really overdo the positive um, kind of up the you know up this positive self-talk a lot and and i use that a lot today i know there was there were times that i had some doubt and uh i just kept reminding myself that i was really good and it's hard to do sometimes because this game can beat you up but um i'm really proud of the work that i've done and uh but i get a lot of help too from from a lot of people around me my caddy jace he did a, a phenomenal job today and um having my family here like you said was was just the the cherry on top so um, really, really fun week, and uh, just a golf course that I really like. So I'll be, I'll be back uh, for many more years. All right, Adam. The two things that Mackenzie Hughes said that he been he has been working on uh, to get ready for the new season, and we'll start with the first one. The first one was his mental attitude, and I think it was on full display on Sunday because he did not have his A game. In fact, 
You look at some of these numbers, you could argue he didn't have his game at all. He hit nine greens, six of 14 fairways, especially during key moments before we got to the playoff. It was so interesting because once we got to the playoff, he seemed to be able to trust it and find it, which is important. But I think that speaks to his... Uh, you know, this work that he's suggesting he's doing on staying positive, say, hey, what, what I did in regulation doesn't matter. I need to put it in the fairway now. He figured out a way to do it. Obviously, a brilliant putter putting performance. Uh, the 10-footer, he, you know, the early celebration, he knew he had it, the fist pump. But I think it speaks to, hey, being able to control your emotions, stay positive, and to win on this tour without your best stuff, that's usually stuff we talk about when we're talking about top five, top ten players in the world, not Mackenzie Hughes, correct? It certainly is, Anil, for a guy who's been at the grind for a very long time, 2,142 days between PGA Tour victories. And obviously, you know, a great putting performance. I, I've exchanged a couple of texts with good friend of ours, Ralph Bauer, uh, who, who has done a lot of work uh, with Mackenzie Hughes with the putter, the Tour Read app, which, uh, which Mackenzie Hughes has obviously used uh, to help read greens. But you mentioned that. Nine greens in regulation and shooting three under par in the final round, that is impressive alone. But I was most impressed for Mackenzie Hughes. I would say his TSN turning point, TM, would be the par 5 14th, where he misses it way right off the tee, just tries to hit a wedge back into play, doesn't hit it in the right spot, plugged lie in a fairway bunker. And even after he spoke in his press conference about not getting too fed up about that, and he easily could have been very frustrated, made a six pretty easily. What's he do? Hacks it 40 yards down the fairway, hits a great wedge to 10 feet, makes the putt for the unlikely par, birdies the next hole, the drivable par four. And then down the stretch, I mean, even on the 18th hole in regulation, you know, hits a not a great tee shot, a big snap hook off the tee. I know the speed is up there, but a big snap hook off the tee. A great lag putt from 55, 60 feet or so. And then even, you think the first playoff hole. Hits a good tee shot in the fairway and then overcooks the draw into the green. One hell of an up and down for Mackenzie Hughes. This is a great victory, especially, too, he wasn't picked for the President's Cup, and I know he was motivated after that, that's for sure. I think he hit the nail on the head there two ways, Adam. I think, and we said it on our broadcast because I called Mackenzie all, I called his entire round yesterday. The 16 footer for par on the par five, we, we isolated that as a huge momentum builder for him. That, that par save is going to be worth more than almost any birdie he puts on the card. It was just huge for him. And I think everything you're outlining, speaks to the work that he was suggesting he was doing you know with his mental attitude controlling his emotions because we're outlining things that just weren't going his way you know uh the shot in the bunker in the playoff the miss fairway i mean these are things that can derail you but instead he stays in it and it's a cliche but it, these cliches become true for a reason it is one shot at a time and i mean he truly treated it that way so Congratulations, Mackenzie Hughes. I was thinking of Ralph. It's funny you reached out to him because I was thinking of Ralph, and, and he must have been on the, the edge of his seat watching that, as we all were. Now I'm going to take you back, though, to Friday on why this win might be worth a little bit more big picture than what we're thinking about. The other thing Mackenzie Hughes has been working on is his iron game. Now, you wouldn't be able to necessarily tell that on Sunday. Now, part of the reason you might not be able to tell it 9 of 18 greens on Sunday. But a lot of that is attached to poor driving. Okay, so I think we got to take those 9 of 18 greens 
and four, and he was tied for 63rd in proximity to the hole on Sunday. And we got to park that because if you're hitting it all over the place off the tee, your iron numbers are going to be horrible. Mm-hmm. Okay, a good iron number start with giving yourself chances from the fairway. Let's go back to Friday. 21 feet proximity to the hole, second in the field. 16 of 18 greens, number one strokes gained approach. When you put that kind of work into your iron game and you see it come through in the battle on a Friday like that and you marry that with the positive attitude, controlling your emotions one shot at a time to a guy that is already one of the best players in the game, Adam, I feel good. The McKenzie might be able to do this again this season. I feel good that he's going to show up in some big events. I, I totally agree. And, you know, that iron game for the week paid off. He was sixth for the week in strokes gained approach. And, you know, we've always said on this show, imagine combining Corey Connor's iron game and McKenzie Hughes around the greens and you have the ultimate player. But if McKenzie Hughes is, you know, his iron game's improving, obviously there's more speed, which, which he really uh, talked after the round. Yes, he was erratic off the tee, but at certain times it really helped him out. This could be a sign of good things to come. And I know I know he's already motivated for two years from now when we'll be at Royal Montreal for that President's Cup. You know that hurt him not making the President's Cup team. He did say afterwards he respected uh, Captain Trevor Illman's decision not to select him. He wasn't playing a lot of great golf throughout the summer, but he took the last two months, really honed in on that speed training, on that you know new dedicated work on his iron play, on that mental game, and look what happens. He wins on the PGA Tour, not having his best stuff by any way, shape, or form on a Sunday final round. Certainly was a great performance by Mackenzie Hughes, getting it done over 2,100 days between victories. Mackenzie Hughes, now a two-time winner on the PGA Tour, as Mark and I were talking about, looking forward to seeing what's next for Mac. You know, combining all this new speed training, his work with his irons, and as we mentioned, one of the best putters on the PGA Tour. Look out for Mackenzie Hughes come 2023. On the other side, we'll recap the President's Cup, which was closer than many thought it would be after the U.S. got off to a great lead and the internationals made it a little closer come day three and day four. We'll have a full recap of the President's Cup next. This is our Thanksgiving Best of Edition of Golf Talk Canada. This segment of GTC was presented by TaylorMade. TaylorMade and the TP5 and TP5X golf ball. Love every shot with the most complete ball in golf. This is Golf Talk Canada, presented by TaylorMade. This segment of GTC is brought to you by Cadillac. Experience the iconic Cadillac sedans and SUVs in a personalized live video tour with all your questions answered in real time. Book your tour at Cadillac.live. Welcome back inside our Thanksgiving Best of Edition of Golf Talk Canada. I'm Adam Scully. Well, the President's Cup was a couple of weeks ago, and yes, the U.S. went on to win but it was a little closer than many thought it would be, especially a couple times on Sunday afternoon when the internationals had a number of leads during the Sunday singles matches. Of course, the U.S. flipped the switch, went on to win by a big margin. But I, I really enjoy watching those team events. And how about Tom Kim? Really, the, the breakout star of this event wins the Wyndham Championship late yeah, last season, goes on, has a great performance at the President's Cup. So many stars to discuss. And we had Kevin Sylvester from PGA Tour Radio. He was on the grounds 
at the President's Cup at Quail Hollow. We discuss the President's Cup and much more. Here's Kevin Sylvester with Mark and I. I got to ask, Kev, right out of the gates, I mean, atmosphere at this event, um, I can't remember. I, you know, I've never worked the President's Cup. I expect to work it in Montreal. Okay, Is this your first President's Cup uh, on the ground? What's the atmosphere like? If it was your first, how do you describe it? Well, yeah, Mark, it was uh, my first President's Cup, uh, and I didn't, you know, I, I, I like, expect it to be a big event. But, you know, you read all this stuff, hey, it's not the Ryder Cup, and so-and-so is not playing for the international team, so it, it can't be good. Oh, my God. You know what? That threw all that out the window. It was amazing. The atmosphere was incredible. Uh, the build-out, you know, you, you, we've been to the Players' Championship, Mark. The build-out there is big. This was even bigger, uh, you know, with grandstands and chalets and everything. It was uh, just remarkable how Quell Hollow Club was set up how it shined and how, you know, 40,000 fans, you know, picture this day one, you've got, uh, you know, five matches and you've got 40,000 people following five matches. <laughs> so everybody's there. It was, it was like tiger galleries on in every match. It was just fantastic. You know, even from the, the, the first tee and I, I, I put it on my uh, Instagram the, the, the one day, um, I, I walked up, uh, I was on the right side of one fairway. So all the fans are on the left side. They were lined up five deep all the way from the tee down to the green and the uh, corporate hospitality behind them was packed. That horseshoe amphitheater by the one tee packed and uh, rambunctious. It was just fantastic. Well, Kev, you mentioned the, the atmosphere and the layout there, and we haven't talked about this on our show today yet. But at Quail Hollow, the the uh, whole layout it was actually changed. So they moved the three mile up to 13, 14, 15, and played some of their later holes as 16, 17, and 18. What were your overall thoughts on how they changed the layout of the golf course? Well, I, you know, I, I, I like the way they did it because those are pivotal holes or difficult holes that brings the lake into play. But not, not only that, it really it made things uh, – you can make a move at the turn because – the, the way they rerouted it, you, you come off of eight, the short par four, then you go to the the ninth hole where you've really got to hit the uprights uh, with your tee ball and then the elevated green. And then you, you, you come to the tunnel, you're there at the par three tenth, you can drive the 11th, you've got the par five twelfth you can reach into, uh, 13 brings the water into play, 14 water into play with that par three, then 15, that tributary. So those are such pivotal, but... Well, we had some matches come down to 18, in, in, including uh, your Canadian duo there uh, in the Homa match. So uh, I, I thought it set up great. And even when uh, matches got to 16, 17, 18, uh, fans were able to get there. And those holes, I thought, shined too. All right, Kev, you said the atmosphere was electric. It, it was amazing. You talked about the build. You like the course setup. I actually spoke to Lawrence Applebaum this morning, uh, CEO of Golf Canada, who was on site and couldn't believe the size of the build. So he echoed uh, your opinion. So we just asked the question to our Twitter universe, and Adam and I broke it down, about format change. There was a lot of conversation about the President's Cup needing a format change. Regardless of the outcome of this tournament, I am still on the let's wait this out. I don't want a format change. I don't mind a little tweak here and there, but I want to keep the President's Cup pretty much the way we have it. Again, a little tweak here or there, fine. But I'm hoping when we get to Royal Montreal in two years that we've just got another President's Cup. Where is Kevin Sylvester 
on format change. Yeah, I, I'm I'm with you. We don't need to change a thing right now. So the Americans won the the ninth uh, their ninth one. Okay, get that. You're nine in a row. Understood. However, it was it was closer than the score indicated, and that's seventeen and a half, twelve and a half. I mean, there we were into the uh, four o'clock hour and going off at six in our broadcast, and it still wasn't determined uh, what was going to happen. The international team certainly put a charge on. Uh, Tom Kim became a star in there, and let's just even let's even look at the match. Uh, Taylor Pendrith, Corey Connors, their match against uh, Homa and Horschel. Uh, that, that came down to it. Uh, that, that match was Friday or Saturday. Forgive me. The, the days blend. It's, it's all a blur. It's okay. Kevin. Friday. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was Friday. It was Friday. Okay. You know, when I had to walk the course twice because there's so many people on Saturday, uh, everything else became a blur after that. But anyhow, um, Friday. I mean, Taylor Pendrith uh, lips out on 17. Uh, you know, with the birdie. So, uh, and then Max Homa makes the birdie on 18. That's. I mean, that that match was so close. Uh, and, and it went in the Americans' favor right there. So that was just an indication of just uh, how, how close things were. Corey, I felt terrible for Corey Connors yesterday, by the way. Um, uh, the horseshoe's out, that short putt for par on 17. That would have tied the match going to 18. And he was uh, uh, pretty emotional about it afterwards. Matter of fact, I even went over and, and just patted him on the shoulder after when he's standing there with, with uh, Pendrith and his teammates. And I just said, you're going to get more cracks at this. And, he was—he he just couldn't even speak. Hmm. Um, he was—that's how much it meant to him. Uh, that, that single match, how much it meant to the guy. So that, to me, is why we don't need a format change. Anybody who was there in the atmosphere and saw um, how well the international team played—it uh, it was closer than we thought. So I don't think we need to change a thing. Yeah, it was, it was too bad Corey Connors didn't have his A game, but uh, we, we fully expect him to be there at Royal Montreal in a couple uh, of years. Now, uh, Kev, you mentioned Tom Kim there, and, and he was this breakout star. Of course, he won at the Wyndham Championship, goes out with these unbelievable celebrations. But then he's put out 10th by Trevor Immelman. What were your thoughts on him being put out so late for the Sunday singles? Well, we all talked about that. Uh, <laughs> I said, like, why, why is he later? And then, so then when I looked at the lineup, I mean, so Trevor Immelman had to stack a lineup to win. Right, so I think he he wanted to put out strength first. Uh, I everybody's wanted to see Wu Kim against Justin Thomas. I said I, I love it. See Wu Kim is, and Mark, you know this from following mine. I mean, he is as fiery as they come. Uh, see Wu Kim, and I I thought that was you know a, a, a great uh, move by Immelman. He he won with Kim yesterday. It's gonna be on Saturday uh, evening. That that late crucial point. So he put him out there. He actually won the match. Uh, Cam Davis won the, the the match right after him, so he tried to go with momentum and good feeling. Then he went with a veteran. Excuse me, one second, guys. <coughs> Sorry, he uh, a lot of talking over four days. Uh, <laughs> he went with he went with the veterans to try to get points out of Scott and Matsuyama, and then power. And then I figured I think he felt it was going to come down to Kim beating Max Homa. That's what I think he thought that that if they're going to win the Presidents Cup. It was going to be that match, Tom Kim. I think you're right. I think that's what he was projecting. But, I mean, for me, as a captain, his job was to grab at least three of the first four matches, if not sweep the first four. I was shocked that it wasn't uh, uh, Tom Kim and Siwoo Kim uh, 1A, 1B. It was just very shocking to me. But I think he needed a closer, Mark. I mean, essentially, he needed, you know, he needed, uh, you know, 
Tom Hankey to coming out of the bullpen. He's <laughs> just coming to close things out, right? And I, I think he felt Tom Kim was his closer. All right, Kev, before we let you go, um, hour one, we were kind of scratching our heads a bit because there were not many low points on Team USA. Now, I don't think any of us were surprised to see Scotty Scheffler win early in the year. I think we're all a little surprised that he won as much as he did, and then he grabs the, the Masters and becomes number one in the world. But leading into this year, you know, he did everything on the PGA Tour but win. And he used last year's Ryder Cup as a real springboard into 2022 to have the year he had. And I know we're both big uh, Scotty Scheffler fans, not just Scotty, but his whole team, his family, his dad. I mean, he's a hard guy not to cheer and pull for. Uh, you know, we all get that. But if we look at the back half of 22, a couple of rough Sundays, not closing the FedEx Cup, now this President's Cup performance. Could we potentially see a reverse springboard for world number one in 23? Well, you know, what we've, I, I will tell you this, it was certainly uh, on his mind and on his team. Uh, like, saw his dad and his dad's like, oh, we just need one. We just need one. Like, so obviously, yes, uh, they're, think, they're thinking about it. Um, you know, he worked with Steve Stricker in the dark Saturday night, working on his putting, uh, trying, just trying to get something there. So, yeah, there's, there's something uh, that's off that's certainly uh, not there that helped him gain a status as number one. You know, it's, we shouldn't be surprised, though. When you look at uh, players who've reached number one in recent years, they've only been able to hold the position yeah. for 12, 14, 15 months because I, I think the talent pool is so deep in professional golf. And once you get to number one, right, you, you strive to get to the top of the mountain there. Sometimes it's tough to stay in them. It's like playing king of the hill with a snow pile, right? Yeah. You know, when the plows put up in the driveway, you get to the top, it's tough to stay up there. I, I think we've seen that in professional golf, not only because the players are coming up, but because of injuries and, and because of everything that comes with winning a major and all the attention. Then there's all sorts of business interests and other things that come into play. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm just speculating on, on what might be going on. There's a lot going on uh, in his life after he reached that pinnacle number one. Kev, am I going to see you? Are we working together at all the rest of the way? Where, where are you at the rest of the way? Um, I am working Shriners. Um, then I'm working CJ Cup. I'll be in South Carolina for that, at, uh, which is a pretty cool place, Congaree, which I uh, would be some think would be a cool venue for a President's Cup, by the way, yeah. because they've got uh, um, uh, cabins and stuff on property. And then I'm working Mayakoba. All right, so we're going to work Mayakoba together. So that's good. We've got yeah. Mayakoba together. I've got uh, Sanderson Farms, Mayakoba, and uh, RSM. So I'm glad we have Mayakoba together. So I, I will talk to you in a, in a few weeks. Be well. Thanks for your time. I know it's a long week. I'm glad you get to do it. Maybe we get to do it together in Montreal, but I'll talk to you in a few weeks, Kev. Uh, have a good one. All right, sounds great. Thanks for having me on, guys. See you. Thanks, Kev. This segment of GTC presented by TaylorMade was brought to you by Cadillac. Experience the iconic Cadillac sedans and SUVs in a personalized live video tour with all your questions answered in real time. Book your tour at Cadillac.live. This is Golf Talk Canada presented by Picton Mahoney Asset Management. For over 15 years, our focus has been on helping Canadians stay invested in all market conditions, including this one.
Welcome back inside our Thanksgiving best of edition of Golf Talk Canada. I'm Adam Scully. Well, as you know, Winners Weird and Wide is one of our favorite segments on the show where we take a look back at some of the weird and wacky and bizarre in the world of golf. Here's one of our more recent editions of 3-Dub, and on this particular time, Mark had the team. I'll answer the question. You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers! I want the truth! You can't handle the truth! All right, Adam. My winner goes to our very own Carol Wagland, a sports center and NFL coverage right here on TSN. Now, once in a while, I bump into Kara out at the driving range because she likes to hit golf balls. She likes to practice. And I don't know if she's listening this morning, but if she is, <laughs> this spring, I told her because I just saw the work she was putting in. It seemed like every, every other time I went to the driving range, she would be there. And I said, you're going to have the, you're going to have a good year. You're going to have a, a, a big year. This could be your coming out golf season party. Well, guess who? had her first ever career hole-in-one this weekend out at Bunker Hill, 116-yard, par 3 fourth. She jars a nine-iron for her first ever hole-in-one, Skulls. Wasn't that unbelievable? And, I mean, I, I saw some people on social media were, were giving it to her a little bit for, n- for not really having that big of a celebration. But I, I did some digging. I went right to the source. She was playing with a good friend of ours, Kristen Murphy. And apparently on the tee, they celebrated like they won the Stanley Cup. And other groups were <laughs> talking to them, saying, what's going on, all this noise? We made a one. It was a nine iron. Good for you, Kara. She's been so dedicated to her craft, playing golf, uh, doing a bunch of stuff with that. And hopefully, you know, this is a sign of great things to come moving forward forward here ace number one that's incredible that's how we start we call it ace number one because we know there's more to come Mm -hmm. okay a bit of a rough week uh weekend for mark hubbard you know mark hubbard had the lead heading into the final round uh but he got derailed in the final round hubbard uh shot two over par 74 but that's not why he's my weird last week he wasn't feeling great sitting at home watching the president's cup and wondering, you know, hey, you know, Sanderson Farms for me, I don't expect to play too well at the Sanderson Farms. I'm just going to, like, you know, kick off some dust and get ready for Vegas. Ends up, you know, having the lead. But part of the reason why he was thinking he wasn't going to play so well, at home in the kitchen, his daughter accidentally knocked a knife off the kitchen counter, stabbed him in the foot to the point where he punctured a hole in his foot at him. Yes! Mark Hubbard stabbed by his daughter accidentally before kicking off the Sanderson Farms. Unbelievable. I mean, we've, we've seen some golfers have some weird injuries. You know, Taylor Pendrith hurt his rib at the Players' Championship. But this takes it to a whole new <laughs> level. I mean, I'm glad he's okay and he had a great weekend. Too bad he, uh, great week. Too bad he couldn't get it done. But that's just weird. All right. And my what this week, and I kind of teased this off the top because Weeks, he's out uh, playing golf in Cabot. And again, I'm not a fan of this time of year golf. I'm going to drag myself out there tomorrow. Now, apparently in Southern oh. Ontario tomorrow, we got ourselves a decent day. Yeah. It is our alternate shot, two-man team, alternate shot, kind of end-of-season event tomorrow at the Hunt, 18 holes. So uh, myself and uh, my good friend, Mr. Hugh Brown, we're going to go out and we're going we're gonna to try to do this alternate shot. And Hugh's a plus handicap as well. So we're going to give Perfect. away a lot of candy and an alt shot and try to have a fun day. But overall, this time of year, with the cold, the wet, the leaves, I'm just, it's not my, not my cup of tea, Skull. <laughs> but it could be worse. You could have been playing Friday at the home of golf. Did you see the Dunhill Cup? We are talking temperatures hovering around zero. 
a sideways rain, sleet in the player's face all day, miles per hours of wind that we can't clock, Matthew Fitzpatrick, Rory McIlroy, who grew up playing golf overseas, called it top three worst conditions they had ever seen in their career, Adam. I'll say it once, I'll say it again. I love the Dunhill Championship. But wouldn't it be a nice tournament to play in golf season, Adam? You would think, but it seems like it's almost tradition, I guess, to to really embrace the carnage out there. And none more than, how about Alexander Knapp, who had three top tens in his last four starts heading into last week. He was even par on the front nine at St. Andrews. He shot 52. 52! He's a professional golfer! He shot 52 on the back nine! What? Golf is not meant to be played in the winter. If TJ Rule from Golfway Tours is listening right now, he's going to hate me for this. But, you know, I love playing golf in Scotland, Ireland. Like, it's my favorite time, favorite mm-hmm. place in the world to play golf. But if you ain't golfing in July and August, <laughs> you have to have your head examined to go play golf over there. I mean, <laughs> forget it. I have my days of golfing in the UK that don't involve the words July or August are over, Adam. They are over. All right, that does it for me, Adam. The tea is now yours. 348. Oh. <laughs> oh, man, that is sweet. Okay, Mark, my winner this week is a couple of things going back to the President's Cup after party. Now, we were on the, we were on the air this time last week recapping the dominant victory by the Americans, the surprising sort of almost comeback performance by the internationals, making it close a couple of times during Sunday's final round. But And we didn't know exactly what was going on in the team rooms that Sunday evening. We knew there was a lot of celebrating, perhaps a cocktail or 19 for some of the guys. But afterwards, later in the week, there was some video released. A, Sung J M doing Gangnam Style with, I think, everyone, the, the, the wives, all the players, the caddies. Ba- basically, it looked like a dance-off, and it was Sung J M <laughs> in the middle, and, and he is fully whoop on Gangnam Style. Like, he's, he's got it all going. It's too bad we're not on TV right now because I tried to impersonate that. Didn't go too well. But then, Hideki Matsuyama's caddy, there was a picture of him, tarps off. Every player had signed his chest. Love that. I saw that, Adam. That was hilarious. I mean, at the time, I guess it was the right idea, but why are you... I I don't know. That's Like, I'm assuming it has been washed off by now, correct? Uh, Maybe. I mean... But, you know, at least, hey, look at it this way. They've got that celebration and that autographed topless body (laughs) captured on social media now for life. Because once it's on the internet, Skulls. It's there forever. Right. So, I mean, uh, you know, good for them. Uh, Obviously, the guys had a lot of fun and uh, lots coming out of that Presence Cup uh, after party. Okay, my weird this week, I mentioned this off the top, Bryson DeChambeau. Yes, you know, a a great performance at at the long drive, finishing in second. But a couple weeks ago at the Live Tournament, he had a bit of a a mishap with a gallery rope uh, running into it, losing his vision for a little bit. He went down like he was shot. Thankfully, he was okay. But Bryson being Bryson took things way over the top and he put out a video where it's almost like he's getting ready to go into a boxing ring and then he he dips under the rope and then there's like 10 guys who are i guess part of his crew or his entourage i don't know and they're all going nuts it's like come on guys like like what are we doing with this why are we taking this to the next level it's just so cringeworthy it was cringeworthy i guess when you get a hundred and some odd million dollars you can uh, your posse can increase mm-hmm. as well of, of who kind of hangs out with you to your point but uh 
you know, they are likely going to end up with Fox. So yeah. maybe, you know, Fox likes their bizarre made-for-TV special. So maybe following Live Golf, when gallery ropes attack, 9 p.m. Thursdays, Fox Sports. There you go. That has a nice little ring to it. And I'm not sure if you saw the Buffalo Bills uh, Twitter account, but they put PSA. This is, how it's, this is how to safely go under a rope at a sporting event. It's Josh Allen. Hold it, covering his face and dipping under a rope. <laughs> that is great. So, uh, so good for them having some fun with that. But Bryson DeChambeau, just simply cringeworthy. Okay, before we go to break, my what this week. Going back to the Dunhill Links Championship, Alex Norin. He's two shots off the lead heading into the 72nd hole. He's just hit a, he's had a great shot to 17 at St. Andrews, the road hole. Missed about a six-footer for birdie. Would have been a two-shot swing. Would have been one shot back. Now, we know the 18th hole at St. Andrews. It's, it's pretty hard to miss that fairway. It is so mm-hmm. wide. Now, what does he do? He's, he hits this big, flailing slice. That, and this thing is out of bounds. Like, this thing is going out of bounds. Hits the hotel, bounces back in play, goes over the green. Like, this ball should have been miles out of bounds. He, he missed his target by, I don't know, 60 yards. Gets it over the green, makes birdie, loses out, comes tied for second. But this was quite a bounce, Mark. Not sure if you saw this, but this ball should have been so far out of bounds, but got a great break. Unfortunately, didn't get a chance to win, though. I, I did not see it. I saw a bit of it. Our good friend Rory McElroy got... Uh caught in the road hole bunker. Uh, he was trying to make a huge comeback, played great on Sunday. The road hole bunker got him. Years ago, Adam, off the top of my head, <laughs> I believe it was Ian Baker Finch, you know, who was an open champion, became one of the best players in the world, and then all of a sudden lost his game overnight. Mm-hmm. Of course, now part of the CBS golf team. But I believe it was Ian Baker Finch who stood on the first tee at St. Andrews and hit it OB left and decided... I think I'm done with this game professionally. No, no, I, I, I will say to poke some fun at myself, I, I played wooden sticks about uh, five weeks ago or so, and obviously yes. there's some replica holes there. And the, the 10th and 18th there are 1 and 18 at St. Andrews. And I did miss the fairway on 18. But th- there, there, is, there is some leeway. It's the 360-yard hole. I was pin high, so I, I was in play, but I, I did miss the fairway. Hopefully you missed it left. I did miss it left. Okay, okay. All right, good, good. That's a good thing. Coming up on the other side, we go one-on-one with Will Bateman, who is the PGA Tour Canada's Player of the Year, the Fortinet Cup Championship winner, and with that, he's earned a berth in the next year's RBC Canadian Open. This is our Thanksgiving Best of Edition of Golf Talk Canada. This segment of GTC was presented by Picton Mahoney Asset Management. For over 15 years, our focus has been on helping Canadians stay invested in all market conditions, including this one. This is Golf Talk Canada, presented by Picton Mahoney Asset Management. This segment of GTC is brought to you by Adidas Golf and the all-new Tour 360 22. Tour 360 22 sits on the feet you wear last, serving as the foundation for the all-new Tour 360 fit, while the new direct-injected Spike More traction system will help golfers stay locked in. Welcome back inside our Thanksgiving Best of edition of Golf Talk Canada. I'm Adam Scully. Well, Will Bateman had a standout year on PGA Tour Canada, winning the Fortinet Cup Championship, winning PGA Tour Canada Player of the Year honors, and of course, getting a berth in the RBC Canadian Open next year. After winning the Fortinet Cup Championship, Will joined Mark and I on the show. Will, congratulations. What a season. 
Um, when you sit back now and you go, hey, my goal was to get to the Corn Ferry Tour. My goal was to be on top of this list. My, my goal was multiple victories, et cetera, et cetera. And now you look back and you've actually realized all of them. What kind of satisfaction? Uh, and have you had time to absorb it as of yet? Yeah, um, you know, obviously very satisfied and just super proud of myself this year. And, uh, yeah, it's slowly starting to sink in. But, um, yeah, I think it's going to take a couple days. I'm still kind of running pretty high on adrenaline. I barely got any sleep last night. And uh, I'm just uh, really happy. When you got to get off the golf course, Will, and look at your phone, what kind of response did you get from friends, family, the works? I'm sure your phone is blowing up. Oh, it's, it's incredible. Um, just, you know, having the support behind me and, um, you know, having everybody reach out and, and, you know, some of the, some of the tour guys reaching out to me, you know, Hadwin and, and, uh, my buddy JJ and it's just been fun. And, and, uh, yeah, you know, when, uh, when you get the wins, you have a bunch of people reach out. It's just, it's the greatest thing. It's such a good, uh, such a, such a fun time. Uh, maybe this is a question that, is, is likely better to ask you a month from now when you've had time to do some reflecting. But I'm curious, you know, now that the season's behind you, you accomplish your goals, multiple wins, et cetera, et cetera. Is there something you learned about yourself, uh, whether it be who you are as a competitor or something about your game? that you learned along the way this year that obviously you're going to put in the tool chest for the corn Ferry tour in 2023. Yeah. Um, you know, if I'm, if I'm looking really, you know, short term over the last day or so, I, I, I learned a ton. I, um, you know, finishing my roundup on Saturday, knowing that, uh, that I was in the final group and, and, you know, I was obviously the top Canadian at that point. Um, for the season long and and just knowing that I was going out there with that pressure um and you know being honest with my feelings and and you know telling my support group that I was nervous and um I I you know I walked off the golf course and I was on the right car ride home and I just I just told everyone I'm I'm I'm, I'm really nervous um but I felt like being able to really handle that situation and you know that that was probably going to be one of the hardest rounds of golf I've, I've ever played in my career. And, and it ended up being that way, especially with the course setup. and Deer Ridge was such a challenge and it was blowing 30 and it rained on the first six holes. And just, there were so many factors out there and um, just to be able to handle that pressure, you know, at a, at a tour championship and, and, you know, to be able to come out on top was just uh, freaking incredible. I'm just, I'm just really, really happy. Well, and, and how about the way you closed out, too? Talk about closing out in style, You're making a putt probably 18, 20 feet just off the green. How about this, that satisfaction to make that kind of putt to seal the deal? Yeah, um, I, I don't think they even posted on Twitter uh, the shot on 14, but I felt like that was kind of the game changer. I uh, So I hit it left there the last two days. And uh, yes, uh, yesterday I hit it like kind of right in between two trees. I ended up chipping it out, but not getting it to the fairway. So I had like 178 to a back left pin, pretty much an impossible shot. I was just trying to hit it in the middle of the green. Thought I hit a pretty good shot, ended up going left of the green. And I'm the most short-sighted, downhill, out of the thick rough, straight downwind shot. 
and I hit this flop shot that went, you know, whatever, 15, 20 feet in the air. I'm literally trying to get this thing within 20 feet of the hole. And I thought 20 feet was a great shot. And it came off perfect. And my caddy, Adam, was like, go in, go in. Ended up going straight in the middle of the hole and dropping in. <laughs> and, dude, like, when when that stuff happens, it's just that it, you kind of you feel like it's your week because, you know, like I said, I, I really felt like that was a two-shot swing there. And then to be able to collect myself, um, going to the 50s tee, and be able to calm my nerves and, and, and hit that tee ball on the fairway and then, uh, you know, flip it in there to six feet, make birdie there, I felt like that was huge. But I, I really owe a ton to, you know, my psych um, um, for all the hard work we've done and, and just to be mentally prepped for, you know, big moments like that where you hole a shot out and you're so excited, you you practically black out, but then you know that you got to go to the 15th hole and you got to close. I felt like uh, that was a big turning point. So, so obviously, a huge step forward in, in your your the, your mental approach to the game that you you just laid out for us. Uh, confidence that you can get it done in the size of the moment. Deal with nerves. Deal with all these things, but. You know, typically the Corn Ferry Tour doesn't start till Bahamas in January. So, Will, what what happens now between now and January? What will you work on? Uh, will you get any playing opportunities between now and then? What's the plan to be ready now for the next step come January Corn Ferry Tour? Yeah, um, you know, uh, I'm a professional golfer, so you know you gotta you gotta keep keep competing. So. Um... I'll probably play, you know, anything that I can. I think that my status now gets me into all the PGA Tour Mondays. So I'll play, you know, probably three or four of those uh, leading into the new year. And then, um, yeah, I might play some uh, some mini tour stuff around Arizona just to stay sharp. I feel like if I, you know, if I take time off of, of competing, um, it takes a couple weeks to kind of get back into it. So um, as long as I just, you know, continue to put myself under the gun a little bit uh, leading up to the new year. I think that uh, that'll be great. And then, yeah, off the course, just uh, work hard on my fitness and, and um, do my best to be in the best shape possible for uh, for next year. I know it's going to be a long season. And um, just to know that I, uh, I don't have to worry about any reshuffles or anything like that. And I can set my schedule and, and, you know, obviously the RBC is a, is a amazing perk too, and I'm I'm really pumped to be playing. You know, my my uh, my home open, and and uh, I'm just really excited, man. I'm just really stoked to to keep working, you know, super hard on my game, and and I'm just gonna step up my level of um, the process, and and uh, keep working hard, and and let the chips fall. Well, congratulations on a great season. We will do this again next year when you're a winner on the Corn Ferry Tour. Deal? Deal. What a year it was for Will Bateman on PGA Tour Canada. Well, that does it for our best of edition of GTC here on Thanksgiving. Of course, our schedule here coming up, we'll have our TSN Edge Picks, which come out every Wednesday for that week's PGA Tournament, and radio every Monday. Only one hour from 10 a.m. until 11. Stay tuned. 
later in January, we'll have a monster announcement regarding our schedule right here on Golf Talk Canada. And later this holiday season, stay tuned to our social media handles because we'll have our Festivus special and our year in review on television. This has been a fun one today. Thanks so much for joining us on our Thanksgiving best of edition of GTC. And remember, the first good decision on the golf course always starts in the closet. Thank you for listening. This segment of GTC presented by Picton Mahoney Asset Management was brought to you by Adidas Golf and the all-new Tour 360 22. Tour 360 22 sits on the feet you wear last, serving as the foundation for the all-new Tour 360 fit, while the new direct-injected Spike More traction system will help golfers stay locked in. Thank you for listening to GTC. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Golf Talk Canada. For show archives, podcasts, and all things GTC, visit GolfTalkCanada.com. And don't miss Golf Talk Canada Television weekly on the TSN Television Network.